So good to see everybody, and uh, man, worship's powerful, and uh, I've, been, I've been waiting a while to get back up here, and uh, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, I'm Pastor Dustin, I'm the lead pastor uh, here at the church, and uh, I want to thank everybody uh, just for your patience uh, and prayers over the last couple months as uh, I've been navigating uh, some health things. And uh, God's been good, and uh, I feel good, and uh, really excited to, to be back and preaching. But I just want to say a huge thank you, and I know you've been blessed uh, by all of our staff that have been preaching over the last 10 weeks. Can you just thank them? I mean, it's been powerful. It's been good. And so I'm so grateful to them. I, I've learned a couple things over the last couple months. Uh, one, I just, I just love church. I mean, I know some of you, you know, it's like, you know, you, you do it. I love church. I, I come in, and uh, not preaching was actually kind of nice. I come in. I mean, I'm receiving from these incredible words. Our worship, I mean, that's like, I know it's a little loud for some of y'all, but that's good stuff right there. I was home the other day. I was trying to do, like, some of those moves that Caleb does, but I, I pulled a muscle. and So anyways, um, but, man, I'm so grateful for our worship. All our campuses, I don't know if you know this, but in all of our locations, they're all worshiping together uh, right now at the same exact time. And uh, so powerful. And then we stream the message then to each of those campuses. So the preaching is what you're hearing here. And then their worship is total unique bands and worship leaders and, and uh, happening all at the same time, uh, which, is, which is so awesome. And uh, I... Um, I think something the Lord's really teaching me is to never take for granted um, the opportunity that we have to preach the good news of Jesus. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but gospel means good news. And uh, in a lot of negative news and bad news, we've got a God of good news. And uh, maybe sometimes we just need to lean into that good news more than the other news to help change everything about our life and our posture and our attitude and our faith. And um, I, I think that uh, the world needs more good news, not just because things are good, but because we carry the actual good news. And uh, I think we should, we should share that a little more often. And uh, I, I, um, I've, got, I've got a word for you. And um, I, I, I spent a couple of weeks, though, so let me, let me just say this. There's something powerful about the people of God coming together. I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe you haven't heard me yet. And so, you know, you've been hearing other people and you like the church. And now today you're going to be like, yeah, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try some other places. That's okay. Hey, we're not a church for everybody. I'm going to tell you this. When you came in this atmosphere, you came into an atmosphere where anything is possible. We really believe that. You, you came into it. This is not a church on the sidelines. This is a church on the move. This is a church on the front lines. This is a church we're believing for city transformation. Not just in Oak Cliff, but in Allen, in Frisco, Prosper, McKinney, Wiley. I mean, we're, we're believing for God to do something really powerful, and that's through you. That's through us, through, through, the, through the church. And um, I, I, I like loud church. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, I like loud church. Some be like, man, I don't like loud church. We have, we have uh, earplugs uh, for you if you want to do that. It helps. It does, it does help. Um, did you know that, tr that heaven's going to be loud? I don't, know if, I don't know if you know that. Heaven's going to be loud. Like, like, might be crazy loud. Some of you are like, well, yeah, but I'm going to have, like, heavenly hearing, too. Yeah, that's true. It won't hurt as bad as it does now. Concerts are loud. I don't know if you know that or not. Concerts are loud. Sports stadiums are loud. You ever been to a game? Sports stadiums are loud. You know when sports stadiums are quiet? Yeah, you're right. When you're losing. Which, 
Uh, I'm a Seahawks fan, so I'm kind of getting used to that sound. It's been real quiet in Seattle lately. And so I found out what it's like to be a Cowboys fan for the last decade. I'm just joking. I said it last service, too. I just had to get one in there. I'm joking. Go Cowboys. Beat the Chiefs today. Oh, I saw Chiefs. I'm sorry. Oh, man, there's a lot of Chiefs fans. All right, don't throw anything. Don't throw anything. Uh, I've, I've got a word for you. I've been praying, and I believe God has something um, on my heart that I think is going to really speak to you and the situation of your life. Uh, I, I believe it's a prophetic message, not just for our church, but the Capital C Church, uh, of what God is speaking right now. And uh, I, I just want you to know this is, we're talking about loud church, we're joking, but this is, this is the truth of the Word of God, that the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord, somebody says, say, say, you, know, you can't say in your mind. So it's, man, there's all these people talking in church. It's not like a new thing. It's actually an old thing. The Bible actually says to shout in the Lord with a voice of triumph. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I mean, you cannot say while you think about it. It's like, well, I think I'm going to say it in my head. No, you can't. You can't say it. That's called thinking. All right? In this church, we say. All right? Let the redeemed of the Lord Say so. There you go. There you go. All right. In the Bible, in your Bible, Genesis chapter 17 is where we're going to go. And uh, our staff's been in, in, in this series. It's been awesome presence over everything. And um, it's actually my favorite topic to preach about. So I was like, can we add one more week? So this is, this is my, my add-on uh, so I can get in on this too, presence over everything. Genesis chapter 17, verse 1 says, when Abram, I'm reading out of the ESV translation, and Abram, his name was changed to Abraham. So it, in verse 1 it says, when Abram was 99 years old. Uh, if, you're, if you're living at 99 and you're like moving and doing stuff, and uh, like you're doing something right, all right? So, so Abram's all right, 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to Abram, and he said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and may multiply you greatly. And then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, not just get by fruitful, exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations. And kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojourning, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. This is Genesis chapter 7, 17, God is speaking to Abram. He's changed his name from Abram to Abraham, and this is his promise to Abraham, is I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make you fruitful, that your descendants are going to be more than the sand on the seashore. It's a lot of kids, by the way. The, the, the problem with Abram is he was already 99, and he didn't have one. And for me, this is just like how I think about it is, uh, like, I'm, I'm good with, like, big promises from God. I mean, I'm good with, like, let's, let's go for it. Let's have big vision. Let's get after it. But, but for Abram, I think, like, it was, might, might have been a little difficult for him to hear, like, we're going to have descendants like the sand on the seashore, and he's 99. He's probably saying, God, maybe we can start with one. 
You know, have you ever felt that with God? It's like, I love all the big promises, but can we just start with like getting me through today? This is Abraham. God's making a promise to him, and he's in the middle of an impossible situation. So God appears to him, it's impossible. Because it's one thing that Abram was 99, but here's the kicker, all right? You need to know this. Abram wasn't married to like a 29-year-old. Abraham's wife was 89. Uh, that's, like, like, that's like past the years that you should be having children. And um, if, that's, if that's, you know, if you want to have a child when you're old like that, that's cool. I would recommend do it a little bit younger, you know, just so you can still move. And, and all. Abram is saying, they cannot have kids. And God says your descendants are going to be like the sand on the seashore. And I would imagine that it was difficult for Abram to understand the possibility of the moment because of the impossibility that he found himself in. Have you ever, have you ever faced an impossible situation? This, this is Abraham. I want to show you this, Genesis chapter 17. I want you to pull up just, just verse 1. I, w- I want to show this to you. And in the Bible, if you didn't know the Old Testament, uh, it, it's written in Hebrew. And uh, if you look at it, it's, it's very interesting. Is some of these Hebrew words, names for God. And in your Bible right now, if you've got your Bibles, you can look at it. Or you, I'll show you on the screen. Genesis chapter 17, it says this. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord. Now, when we read in English, we just think like God has all of these different titles. Right? I don't know if you ever heard somebody pray, you know, like, Lord Jesus, God, Abba, Father, Daddy, you know, like all of the things. And it's like, wow, that's a lot of names. That's a lot, that's a lot of names for him. This is what's happening in the, he says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord. Now, it's interesting, the Hebrew, Lord, means Jehovah. Jehovah is a covenantal, relationship-based name. Okay, so this is, this is a name for God. It's an attribute of God. And it says that he appeared to Abram, and he said to him, I am, now honestly, this, this is how it makes sense in my mind. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Lord. But now, they didn't say that. He's, he, he offers a different name. He says, I am God Almighty. It's like, I thought you were the Lord. I'm also God Almighty. God Almighty means El Shaddai. It's a name for God. God has all kinds of different names. El Shaddai means all sufficient one. It means that that, that he he has power to overcome any type of opposition. Really, El Shaddai means that it takes natural law, so natural impossibilities, and can change them into possibilities. Now, this is awesome because in Genesis chapter 1, it's only God. If you read your Bible, it says God. God created the heavens and the earth, God, which is another name for God, which is Elohim. You've probably heard this word, this name, Elohim. And it means God, but this is what it means. It means God in plurality. So it's a God. It's not personal. To me, it's, it's, it's a, a God. But when Jehovah, and in the English translation, it will say Lord, when Lord is added, all of a sudden now it's not just a God, it becomes my God. There is, a, there is a covenantal transaction, but that's not the end. It's great that you have relationship. It's great that you know him. It's great that you have covenant relationship and he is your God. But God says, this is an impossible situation. You have to actually know something more about me. And he says, I want you to know that I am God Almighty. And that's great you got relationship, you come to church, but did you know that I'm all-sufficient? 
That's great that you worship me and sing songs and say your little prayers. That's great that you, that you, you, you do all of the stuff. But do you know that there's more to me than what you already know? I'm also El Shaddai. I'm the all-sufficient one. I'm the all-sufficient one. Years ago, Jamie and I, when we were, we were dating, and um, we had just started dating. She was a missionary in Thailand. And so I felt led of the Lord to take a team of young people to Thailand to minister. Great Commission said, go into all the world. And I said, I will go, Lord. And, and um, only for 10 days, though, because I wanted to make sure to, to come back. And, um, and I was going to try to bring her with me, you know. So I don't know if that was the Lord or not. But she's serving there. And, and so we go. And, and um, after, at this point, we've been, you know, talking for a little while and dating. And, and uh, we're getting to know each other. And I feel like I know a lot about her. And we go to a restaurant, a Thai restaurant. And uh, she just starts, like, speaking Thai. And I'm like, you can, sp- you can speak Thai? That is like, and it was really attractive. It was just like, she's just like rattling a talk. I was like, wow. But I didn't know what she was saying. So I didn't know if they're like talking bad about me or, you know. I'm like, she's like bilingual. This is awesome. And it's like, man, I just, I just learned, I just learned something new about her. I thought I knew her, but there was something about her that I, that I didn't know. You know, most people approach God with this idea. I think I know him. Yeah, he's, he's a, he's God. He's Elohim. He's, he's out there. He's, he's one of, no, there's more to him. You, you might not know all there is to know about this God. We, we started dating, and Jamie and I, and, and um, we went with my family on a family vacation. My family, uh, growing up, we always did a big deal about family vacations. My, my family, um, like, we had, like, really high standards growing up. Like, we didn't watch... Our family, we walked out of Beauty and the Beast, out of the theaters. Some of you guys remember that movie, Beauty and the Beast? It was a cartoon. All five of us kids, seven of us across the front of the theater. We're like, we get to go to the theater. And the first opening scene before it even starts, it's like this magic thing with the rose. My mom was like, oh, no way. We do not do magic. Everybody up, out. What? Like, are you serious? We just got one. Walked out. I mean, that's, that's how we grew up. Some high standards. We're, I, I got three sisters. We're like, we were kind of like the one-piece family. Not the bikini family, you know what I'm saying? And uh, so it's like, we have some modesty up in this house. And, and so we, we went on family vacation, and, and we were out at the lake. And um, Jamie, she had spent some years in Kona. She's a surfer. She's like a little more like free. <laughs> and um, so like she shows up, family vacation, and, and we're the one-piece family. She's got her bikini. <laughs> She's ready to be at the lake. I'm like, man, okay. And uh, so we go, she, and she wants, she's a surfer. She wanted to wake surf, so she jumps on the, the surfboard, and she's about to wake surf. Now, I don't know if you know how to wake surf, but, like, usually you start laying down, and, and then you, you, you get up from there. So she was just laying down, and she was so excited to be at, at, in the water, in the sun. She had the biggest smile on her face, and then the water had a lot of pressure. And it, and it was just, it, she's just there, and just a lot of pressure. And... <laughs> And it was loud because we were at the lake. It was just loud, the water and the pressure and the bikini. And, and, and she, she's, on the, she's on the surfboard, and she has the biggest smile. She's just, I see she's in her, and, and I'm on the boat, and, and the, the pressure was like, it was strong. It was very strong. And, and the bikini had just like slipped down a little bit below where it needed to be, and she's just, ah, and and, and I'm on the boat like, 
She's just smiling. My dad's like, Lord Jesus, who is this man dating? So my family got to know a part of her that, that they had not known before. Did you know, did you, did you know there's way more to God? I know, I know, it's cheesy, I know. Did you know there's more to God than you think you know? I've been going to church 27 years, Pastor, and you don't know all that there is to know about God. The time that you put a cap on your teachability to learn more about God is the time that you cease to know who he is. He's not just Elohim. He's not just Jehovah. You're facing impossibility. Do you know that he's El Shaddai? Do you, do you know that he's the all-sufficient one? Do you know the power that he has? This is what El Shaddai means. It means two things. It means he's an overcomer. I love this. He's an, he is the overcomer. I, I know we don't like to talk about this very much because, well, we like to say it, but we don't really understand what it means. Like, oh, he's an overcomer. That's awesome. Now, if you're an overcomer, that means that you have to have something to overcome. See, I, th I think maybe 2020 and 2021 might be a product of a lot of Christians that were like, we want to see miracles, Jesus. We want to see miracles. But you, 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 you can't see miracles unless there's a need for a miracle. So, so when we start praying like, Lord, I want to see miracles. I want to see miracles. Then he gives us an opportunity to, to see miracles. So it's all y'all's fault. <laughs> I'm joking. It's a joke. It has to be a mess. In order to have a need for a miracle. There has to be something opposing us in order for God to overcome. But this is who God is. God is an overcomer. That means there is no opposition. There is no political agenda. There is no sickness. There is no disease. There is no mistake. There is no compromise. There is there's nothing that can overcome God. Because he is the overcomer. Now, now that's powerful, but that's, that's not the end. He's the overcomer is one part of it, but the other side of it is he's a promise keeper. So two sides of El Shaddai is he's overcomer and he's promise keeper. Now, if he was just overcomer, we would just be like, man, he's awesome. God, go God. This man, he's, oh, he's powerful. He can overcome anything. But promise keeper is what makes it personal. Because if you follow the NFL, you probably know some great defensive players, and you're like, that guy is next level. That guy, man, wow, he is so strong, he's so fast, he's so fierce, he's this, he's that, he's such a, right? But when he's on your team, it's different. It's like, man, that's not just someone I observe being strong, that's somebody is fighting for me. So El Shaddai is overcomer because there's nothing that he cannot overcome. Promise keeper is saying that his eye is on you and that he's on your team. Friends, you have someone on your team that is an overcomer, and everything that God's ever spoke, everything that God's ever promised, he is going to make sure that it comes to pass. That's who he is. So you have to be careful that you don't stop your learning at God and stop exploring that there's more to him. There's more to him. There's, there's, there's more to him. There's more to him. There's, there's more. There's more. There's more to God. There's more to who he is. He's an overcomer, and he's a promise keeper. El Shaddai provides miracles that are contrary to natural events. 
which means he specializes in impossibility. He, he specializes when the cards are stacked against him. He specializes when everybody else loses hope. He specializes when everyone throws in the taluses, that's it. He specializes when we're ready to give up. That's his, that's his specialty. That's when he begins to move in. And I'll tell you why. I'll get, tell you a couple things about God. God is a personal God. This is what we're talking about, promise keeper. God, God is a personal God. God is intricately involved and cares about our lives. He is a personal God. Genesis chapter 17, verse 7. We read this. Look at this, what it says. Genesis 17, 7. And I will establish my covenant between me and you. This is personal. This is not just, hey, you guys. Oh, the church. Church 1130. No, you. You. It's, it's, it's just specifically to you. It's to John. It's to Larry. It's to Billy. It's to Luke. It's to... It's, it's to you. He's a God that it, he's personal. Oh, yeah, I just I serve God. No, you, you serve a God that loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die on a cruel cross three days later, rise from the dead, and we know that he sits now at the right hand of the Father, and this is what Hebrews teaches us. He says this, that you do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with your weaknesses because he has been tested and tried in every way just as we are. So God is so personal that he sent Jesus to feel what you feel. God is so personal that he made Jesus endure the heartbreak of our world so that he could have empathy on you and your life. You do not serve a God who is unattached or unaffiliated with pain. In fact, he's, per he's, he's in your business. He's in your business. He, he, he knows. He feels it. Genesis chapter 2, this is interesting, verse 3, it says this. Now, you can see this actually in your Bible. You're never going to read the Bible the same if you look at it this way. So God, why does it say, why does it say God? Why does it say God? Genesis chapter 1, all of creation happens, and all you see is God, 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 which is, which is Elohim, which is a God. Like God's, God's doing this stuff. But in Genesis chapter 2, as they're recounting creation, this is after Adam and Eve had been created, this is now recounting Adam and Eve, the first man and woman on the planet, recounting their creation all of a sudden. So God blessed us the seventh day, made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Next verse. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God. Why? All of a sudden, God's been working so well for the entire first chapter of the Bible. Why are we adding another name on top of God? Because he's not just a God. When Lord's added, we already learned this, that means we added Jehovah, which is covenant God. Did you know this? When all of the animals of the earth were created, everyone's wonders, do dogs go to heaven? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. There was no Jehovah when there was dogs. The beasts of the field and the sunrise and the sunset, there is no, God created it all. But as soon as man and woman were created, he says, I gotta, I gotta get in the business. It's personal. Jehovah shows up, which is covenant God, which is promised God, which is God that wants relationship with me and with you. It's God that, that, that this, this, is the, this is the heart, the compassion part of God that sent Jesus to live on this earth and to die on the cross. It's, it's, it's the relationship part of God. God is a personal God. But he's not just personal. Listen to this. God's a powerful God. 
He's a powerful God. I, 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 don't know, I don't know how you see God, but you've got to understand that God is a powerful God. He holds all power and might. There is no power that's greater than his power. I know some of us, when things get tough, we start thinking, like, is, is God okay? Is he, is he all right? Like, you know, he hadn't done anything for a while. Hey, answer my prayers. Like, is, I, I don't know. God's, God's okay. He's all right. You don't have to worry about him. He's, he's good. He's, he's powerful. And the, 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 not only is he personal, he's powerful. And my concern for the church right now is that we don't serve him as the more than enough God he is. We serve him as a just enough God. And when he's just enough, we operate out of a poverty mentality that says if we could just make it through another day. How many people did you hear? 2020. Same thing in 2021 now. If we can just get through this year. Oh, brother, if we can just get through the pandemic. If we can just get to the next election. If we can just get to... That sounds like just enough to me. We serve the God that took a man who was persecuting the church of Jesus Christ, an evil man who was going from city to city and going into synagogues and temples and houses and dragging Christians out and killing them. That's how bad Saul was. And he's just riding his horse one day on the road to Damascus, and the power of God hits him. The power of God hits him. The power of God hits him. And in one moment, he's changed from Saul to Paul. And some of us are putting all, all our trust. Oh man, I should not be meddling right now, but I'm going to meddle just for a second. It's been a little bit. I'm gonna, I promise, put, put, put the steel-toed shoes on real quick, because I promise you this, this is truth. You need to hear this. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> it was nice not getting emails for a little while, but I, here, we, here we go. <laughs> if, if you're waiting for the next election, for God's purpose to be prevailed, you're serving a just enough God. My God takes Saul, who's persecuting the church, and he says, I think I'll use you to be the greatest builder of the church. I think I'll just encounter you on the road to kill more Christians. Flip your life upside down and make you the writer of the New Testament to make you the preacher of the glorious gospel. We serve not a just enough God. We serve a more than enough God. And it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to wake up and understand that we do what we can do and say what we can say, but at the end of the day, we serve a God who's more than enough. Well, what would change about our lives if we start seeing him not as just enough, but as more than enough in every situation? Oh, man, things are getting tough. Okay, we need our more than enough God. Sounds like a job for El Shaddai. Oh, man, it's getting crazy. It sounds like a job for El Shaddai. I'm stressed. I'm, it sounds like a job for El Shaddai. I'm out of money. Sounds like a job for El Shaddai. My marriage sounds like a job for El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient one. He's the overcomer, and he's the promise keeper. Just enough. It's time to break up with average. Break up with ordinary. Break up with just enough. The devil has tried to seduce the church to get us to settle in a land called average. Settle in a land called average worship, average gatherings, and average Christians, and average generosity, and average love, and average worship, and average... Sex is... Sounds so awful. God's, God's not coming back for an average church. 
He's not coming back for an average. I'm telling you, the, the, the church has, has tried to fortify itself against the world, and we've missed the greatest mandate of the power of God. The church is not to shelter you from the world. The church is to equip you to step into the world. We are not trying to get people saved out of the marketplace to all stand on platforms and preach the gospel. We are trying to preach the gospel to our world and to our marketplace, to our workplace, to our families, which means when you come into these four walls, you're supposed to be equipped and trained and provoked and coached so you go back into your sphere of influence and you change it by the power of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to activate the church. He's a, he's a personal God, but he's powerful. Oh, he's powerful. He's not just enough. He's more. Every time you see El Shaddai mentioned, so now you can find it in your Bibles. Every time it says Lord Almighty in your body, Bibles, it will never be connected to lack. It is always and never connected to just enough. It is every single time, 100% of the time, connected to more than enough. Do you know you serve a more than enough God? Oh, Lord, if you could just get me through Thanksgiving. He's more than enough. Oh, the in-laws are coming, Jesus. If you could just get me. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I don't, he's, he's, he's more than enough. Not just barely getting by. He is more than enough. Now this, and this is where the power hits. This is so powerful. He's not just personal, and he's not just... Just powerful because he's personal and because he's powerful, it makes him a God of possibility. He's personal. That means he's connected intricately with us. He's powerful, which means he can overcome anything regarding us. And because of those two realities, it makes him a possibility God, which means whatever place of impossibility that you're facing in your life, we serve a God who specializes in that place. He specializes. What area have you given up on? What, what dream? I talk to people that are older in years all the time and say, oh, I remember when I was a young kid. I used to worship like these young kids. And my question is, like, where, where, where did you lose that? Where, where, did you, where did you lose it? Oh, I'm just going to leave the worship for the young people. That is not biblical. Leave the worship for the... Listen to what just came out of your mouth. Leave the worship for the young... No, he's worthy to be worshipped whether I'm Abram in 99 or whether I'm nine years old. He's worthy of all honor and glory and worship and not just an average praise or a just enough praise or a just enough worship or a just enough prayer. He's worthy of more than enough worship and more than enough prayer. I, 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 people say, man, Pastor, you got, you got a lot of energy. I don't really have that, that much energy. I'm going to be tired after this. You know, what I, you, know what I, you know what I really feel? It's an urgency. An urgency for not just average Christianity, but to understand that this Jehovah God that I have relationship with also, as I get to know him, also has the sufficiency, the ability, the overcoming power, the promise-keeping power to change my life and to change the world around me. He is a possibility God. Impossibility is an invitation for the people of God and a specialty of El Shaddai. It's God's specialty. It's God's specialty. I was thinking this week, I would, I would rather be unrealistic and de de depend on God than logical and depend on me. 
I just, I don't know if even maybe the last two months have helped me understand this is, is I got I to gotta have Jesus. I need him to live. I need him to be healthy. I need him to move. I need him to fulfill my calling. I, I, I need him. And I would rather live in an unrealistic world and depend on El Shaddai than live in a logical one and depend on Dustin. People say, oh, that sounds a little illogical. I'd rather be illogical and depend on a God that is higher and mightier and stronger than any other force and any other God than be logical and live in some world where I have to depend on me? No, he's, he's El Shaddai. He's the God of the possibility. And I'm here, I'm here to tell, to shout until you hear it, that God wants to awaken the curiosity of your heart to believe, what, what, what if God could? What if God could? turn it around what if God could heal what if God that that what if that that spiritual curiosity is what ushers you in into the next dimension of understanding God I don't just have relationship with you I also understand you you've got something I've got you've got something I need you, you've got something I, I want to close by showing showing you this I, I love this passage of scripture Psalm 91 some of you are familiar with Psalm 91 you got it it's on Pinterest and all over social media Psalm 91. We love Psalm 91. But I, I want you to actually, I want you to really look at it. Okay, I want, I want you to like really look at the words based on what we've been talking about, about the names of God. I want you to really look at this. It says, he, talking about me and you, who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Now, because we're all churchy and speak Christianese, we're like, bless God. We are dwelling in the shelter of the Most High. What's the Most High? Is that like a term of endearment? It's like, hey, most high. Uh, what? If you really want to get something out of your Bible, you have to start asking questions about it. If you just, if you just read it and with your Christianese, you're going to miss some of the value that's hidden within it. He who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide under the shadow of the almighty. Now, I'm just... I'm practical, okay? I just like to see it how it is. If I was writing this, I would have said, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Most High. Right? Am I the only one that can make sense of it? Like, if he dwells in the shelter of the Most High, if I'm, shelling, if I'm sheltering there, brings back PTSD, doesn't it? Shelter, shelter. <laughs> he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the of the Almighty. The only conclusion that we can make by what we've studied already today is that both of these names mean different things. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, Most High in the Hebrew is El Elyon. It is El Elyon, which is the m Most High. That's why they said it like that. I know, I know, I know. They said Most High because it means Most High, not a God. The, there's nobody like our God. There's nobody like he's the most high God. And it says, will abide in the shadow of the almighty. Anybody what that means? El Shaddai. So if I make my home, this word dwells means to abide, to stake claim, or to set up camp. If I set up camp in the shelter, or you could say it like this. If you set up camp in the presence of the most high, presence over everything. 
if I set up camp in the presence of the Most High, I will rest in the shadow of El Shaddai. Or you could say it like this. I will rest in the place of sufficiency. If I make presence my dwelling place, I can rest in his sufficiency. If I choose presence above every, if I choose to make my home in his, John 15, he who abides in the vine, right? If I'm connected to him, I, I have to be connected to God. I connect to God by being in his presence. So if I dwell in the refuge, in the shelter, if I make my home in his presence, in a storm I can be in his presence, my car I can be in his presence, at work I can be, if I make my home his presence, then I get to rest what does El Shaddai mean again? Then I get to rest in the overcoming, promise-keeping nature of God. Oh, that sounds good. All you live in just enough lives, that should sound good to you. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. I get to rest in sufficiency because I made my home in presence. People going crazy right now in our world. So God's judging America, Pastor. And I appreciate your prophetic nature, but let me help you with what the prophetic is. Usually the prophetic is foretelling something that is not known. So reading the news and then saying God's judging America, just I'm just gonna help you. You're you're wrong. Pastor, you don't know there's evil here. God's judging. I got it, got it, got it. We're just talking about the God that's more than enough. If that God, and it depends on your version of God, I guess, because if you just see a God as like a God, then maybe this is judgment. But if we're talking about the goodness of God and the power of God and how powerful he is, if he were to turn and not be good, judgment would be super bad. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, oh my God. Like, if El Shaddai decides to flip on you, you are going to know. It is not going to be I have to stay at my home with the woman that I married and watch Netflix. I heard so many people say, Pastor, i got to get out of the house. My wife's driving me crazy. You married her. You're mad at God because you have to stay at home with the person you married? That's on you, bro. Did you not think you would live together? You don't think you have to spend some time together? That's on you. i got no sympathy. That's like, I know it's serious times. I'm, I'm not trying to make it trivial or not have weight to it. I'm just saying, in 2008, people thought God was judging America. Oh, it's going to get us. God's going to get us. All that sin, God's going to get us. 2008, big recession. And then somebody was like, we should, like, make a business where we pay people to pick up people at their locations. It's kind of like a modern-day taxi. Let's call it Uber. Because they saw possibility in the midst of a problem. So this is good news for you. This is good news for you. I'm not saying that tough things aren't tough. I'm just saying that God does his best work in tough times. I, I'm not trying to get into some prophetic debate on if God is judging America or not. I'm sure we deserve some judgment. I, I'm not, I, I'm, all I'm trying to say is that, okay, say you're right. Say you're right. God's judging America. Now, now what do we do? Well, it just feels better to say it and to post it, to comment about it and argue. <laughs> what are we going to do now? I think the be best thing to do is to hitch our wagon to old El Shaddai and say, I'm going to let my light shine in the midst of a dark time. 
I'm going to be a lighthouse for the world. I'm going to let people see the love and the goodness of Jesus and how he can. What are we going to do? Say we're right. Then we got to be what God's called us to be more now than ever. We can miss it trying to argue about prophetic this and prophetic that. And I'm going to tell you, if you know it from knowledge, it's not prophetic. Prophetic is knowing from God something that is not known. Just helping you out. That one's for free. See, I think in this room we have people that are facing impossible situations. And it feels, and I think maybe this touches me more than usual just because this past year I've encountered in my own life some really impossible situations. Some things that just seemed, it seemed impossible. And what happens is impossibility wears on you. Isn't it, impossibility hits you in the beginning, you're like, no, not today, devil. But then like 380 days later, it's like, well, maybe, maybe, maybe God's not going to heal. Maybe God's not going to change their heart. Maybe, maybe this isn't going to, yeah, I don't know if I'm the only ones ever, feel, like, I feel like I got a lot of faith on day one. Oh, devil, you try pulling that with me? Listen, right? And then like day seven, he's like, ooh, did I miss it? Am I right with God or what? Because impossibility wears on you. But what I really believe, I believe this, I believe this to be true, that in this room there are people that will have a new perspective even today to begin to stare into impossibility and realize that in the midst of the impossibility, you serve, a, you serve El Shaddai. And this is, the, this is so cool. I have to give this to you and I'll be done. I like, like this is so, so awesome. Because there's some like super religious people that are going out and they're like, they only call God Jehovah and Yahweh and Elohim and Elion and Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Rapha. I got it. I got all the names. It's awesome. And they all have different attributes of God. But when Jesus came, he fulfilled, he fulfilled, he brought a new covenant and he fulfilled the old covenant. And then he said something like this. He says, it's better for me to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. And I, want, I got great news for you. You don't have to go call on El Shaddai. You just need to understand what El Shaddai represents. Because when you say yes to Jesus, the, the spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, that same spirit dwells in you. That's why Jesus said it's better for me to go so that the Holy Spirit, I have El Shaddai. I have Jehovah Rapha. I have Jehovah Nisi. I, he is my provider. He is my sufficiency. He is my overcomer. He is my promise keeper. Because, but through his spirit, I have it. And this is what I want to just give you as we close down. And go ahead and just stand with me. We're going to close and pray. I want to just give you some practical things just as we end today that I think will help you. In order to begin to experience El Shaddai power, like all sufficiency, you have to begin to invite, invite El Shaddai into your impossibility. So it's a fancy way of saying, I just gotta invite God into my impossible situation. Because oftentimes it does this, that's impossible and here am I. And I cry out to God and I, I whine to God and I complain to God, but, but I don't invite him if you never invite, you got to get curious. You have to get, what if God could save our entire city? What if God could heal that disease? What if God could change your husband's heart? What if God could deliver your wife? What if God could save that kid that's far from the, see that, that, that spiritual curiosity is what brings you in to the realm of the impossibility where God begins to work. So we invite it. El Shaddai into our impossibility. 
we immediately stop negative thinking and negative talking. You got, you got to just stop. It's like, well, that's easier said than done, Pastor. I know. I get it. I'm just helping you. Okay? You got to just start training yourself. To, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and if you're trying to believe in your mind that God's going to heal you, but the only thing you say out of your mouth is that he won't, it's, it's a disconnect. It's a dis- so you have to begin. You have to begin to just get rid. The Bible says to take your thoughts captive. I wish I could just stop thinking a thought. That's impossible. What I have to do is I have to take it captive. I have to press the word of God on it. I have to make it obey. I got to make it obey. Invite El Shaddai into your impossibility. Immediately stop negative thinking and speaking. And initiate God's power. This is how. By seeing the possibility. By seeing the possibility. Just see it. Can you see it? Can you see yourself free? Can you see yourself out of debt? Can you see yourself healed? Can you see yourself happy? Can you see yourself successful? Can you, can you see it? Begin to see the possibility. This is, this is not, listen, the world tries to do this without El Shaddai. So this is a good practice to do no matter what. But you've got a supernatural help on your side. You have El Shaddai that says, hey, you're not going to be able to do all that on your own, but I'm the all-sufficient one. I'm the overcomer and the promise keeper, and I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I want us to take just a couple minutes before we dismiss the service, and I'm done preaching, but I want you, this is probably the most powerful moments that we'll have together, is these next two or three minutes. And we have made, we've been talking as a staff in our series, Presence Over Everything. This is, this is so important. We don't, our culture's too crazy to be in a rush when we come to church. We've, we've got to leave. You can't just leave with some notes and like have some spit on your face from me yelling and scratch. You've got to leave with like locked and loaded in your spirit. It says something just shifted in my heart. Something just sh- I, something shifted in my in my spiritual life. I, I'm leaving with some. There's people in this room right now, and you're facing impossible situations. And this is what I want to do. I want to just take my faith and I want to unite it with yours and say we're going to believe the God of the impossible to confront the impossibility. Now listen, we we trust God. I don't know his timing. I don't know his methods. I don't know his ways. My job is not to figure him out. My job is to believe that he is the God of the impossible. It's his job. He sees something I don't see. There's a reason that my son doesn't drive a car right now. I see things that he doesn't. He might think I'm an ogre. He might think that I'm overbearing. He might think that he's not getting his freedom, that that I'm never answering his cries. But I'm really trying to protect him. So I don't know why God does what he does when he does it. I trust him. My job is to continue to see the possibility in the midst of the impossibility. Because I would rather be unrealistic and depend on him than logical and depend on me.